Working Class Heroes Radio, a show by working people, about working people in New York City. My name is Leah Ramirez. And I'm Danny Catch. Thanks for tuning in. Leah and I are here to introduce the theme for our shows this month, housing. Tonight's show kicks off a series of consecutive interviews with New Yorkers over the question of housing, rent, and evictions in New York City. Millions of working people have been laid off after the coronavirus forced us to stay indoors, and rent is still due. Besides being International Workers' Day, last Friday, May 1st, marked the second month in a row of coordinated rent strikes by tenants across the U.S. These strikes represent some of the largest rent strikes since the Great Depression, back when tenants took collective action to stop evictions. Let's now pass it over to Julian Guerrero, who will kick off our focus on housing in New York City and his interview with the tenant organizer in the South Bronx. the impact that it means to stay home for our health. If, if we're also, if we're dealing with the coronavirus outside, then for many of us, we're also dealing with mold, with leaks, with, with rats, with, with pests, indoors. And all these things, like, they trigger asthma, they trigger respiratory illnesses, they trigger all these health issues that, that impact our community. And, you know, landlords have purposely kept conditions this way. That was Manny Pardija. He's the main tenant organizer for the South Bronx Tenants Movement. I interviewed Manny back on April 4th, a few days after the first call for a rent strike began. A month later, the rent strikes are still growing. All across the country, from Los Angeles, Philadelphia to New York, Tens of thousands of tenants banded together in the largest coordinated rent strike in decades. But let's go back to early April and to Manny's South Bronx neighborhood of Mott Haven, where he organizes tenants. Manny spent four years at the Northwest Bronx Community and Clergy Coalition, where he learned the ropes of tenant organizing at this housing-focused nonprofit. After he left the position, Manny focused on organizing tenants on his own. He realized that many South Bronx tenants live in smaller 8 to 12 unit buildings owned by private landlords who generally have left them in consistent disrepair. Even though recent housing reforms have provided tenants with more legal assistance and resulted in lower eviction rates across the city, the Bronx is the only borough where eviction rates have risen every year since 2010. Each year, evictions have ravaged the Bronx where overcrowding, terrible conditions, and aggressive landlords purged thousands of tenants and their families out of their homes. These are the same conditions that are contributing to the startling fact that Bronxites are twice as likely to be killed by COVID-19 than other New Yorkers. As of May 5th, incomplete estimates put the Bronx death toll to COVID-19 at 3,280 people. My interview with Manny goes into what the South Bronx tenants movement is doing to save the South Bronx from falling apart, and why, as he explains, the Bronx is a ticking time bomb, a bomb whose clock is being sped up by the fallout from COVID-19. So who, what is um, the South Bronx tenant movement? Uh, I started organizing the Building 386 
And right from the jump, the tenants, they were ready. They wanted to organize. They wanted to hold their landlord accountable. And, you know, we took all sorts of action. We did a 311 campaign where we just racked up violations up to close to 100. And this is, mind you, this is an 18-unit building. And, you know, then from there, we, um, we sent out a letter to the landlord. And this was a building that was, for what it's worth, it was literally just abandoned. Um, there was no super in, in the front area of the building where the mail would be at. You would just see, like, countless letters of, like, just violations and, and, and uh, you know, like, city um, fines saying that they haven't been paying their taxes and whatnot. Like just the city, the landlord has just been very neglectful with the building. But uh, that all changed once we did a press conference, you know, which was shortly after we sent the letter to the landlord. You know, we gave him a time period for him to respond to the letter. He never responded. And so we retaliated uh, by making it public that he hasn't responded. And by just showcasing the issues in the building. And the next day, the landlord, um, or at least some sort of manager, showed up and he did emergency repairs. Things like people's roofs that collapse, like changing the front door, things like that. Mm-hmm. He, he did it, like, within 24 hours to 48 hours, you know? Like, and, and it's sad that we had to go public. We had to do a protest, but... You know, it served as a politicizing piece for tenants. It got them to understand that the landlord is not there to be their friend. The landlord is not, doesn't have their back. The landlord is there to make money. And if he really cared about them, then he would easily show that. But he's not, he's not going to show that. From there on out, like har- the harassment in the building had shot up because then there was like a new super and he was a person that, actively spoke negative while on payroll about the tenant association. You know, he discouraged tenants from joining the tenant association. Some followed uh, his advice, others didn't. And then you had a small, a small group of folks in the building who were kind of like on the fence. And, 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 you know, I think with time we were able to prove to them that we were here to stay and that the landlord is not necessarily here to stay. But shortly thereafter, um, we filed a lawsuit against the landlord for harassment. And this also encompassed harassment that came about through what kind of repairs they were doing or, or more so how they were doing the repairs. So for example, if they were painting the, the living room and they were like spilling paint on like furniture, you know, and like in the, or, or, and they also like spilled paint on like your towels. Like that's, that's an inadequate repair. That's, that's more like a harassment because now the tenant doesn't feel like they want those workers to even do work in their apartment, mm-hmm. you know? And so we were able to file a lawsuit based around that kind of stuff. And, and we've been in court since summer of 2018 we're still in court and but now we're, we're you know for what it's worth we're seeing the the fruits of that so so that's 386 and um as of recent uh we integrated uh 380 which is the building next door and this is a building that i'm currently um 
all hands on deck with. Mm-hmm. So they're currently they, they currently don't have cooking gas. They haven't had it since October. So if you think about it, that means not being able to cook for Thanksgiving, not being able to cook for New Year's, for Christmas, for any birthdays. Those are some of the issues that those families had to endure because of the landlord. And so it's ironic that now the landlord, what he's trying to do is um, he's trying to just convert the, the stove appliances into electric. So he's trying to install like an electric system and then put um, electric stoves. But from what we know is that tenants run the risk of being charged an MCI because of that. And an MCI is a major capital improvement. So that means that rent will go up. Um, and tenants don't feel like it's fair for their rent to go up for an essential service. It shouldn't go up if they haven't had the ability to cook. I'm curious how, you know, now that COVID-19 is here uh, and it's a grip in the city and there's been calls for a shelter at home. And how have you in the South Bronx Center movement continued to organize or, or how do how are people taking it, I guess? I asked the tenants at 386 and at 380 where they're at. And they told me some folks were saying that, yeah, they're working. Other folks said that, that, yeah, they were doing laundry and others were like, yeah, we're still doing groceries here and there. And then I asked like, listen, Hey, um, well this with the rent, what do you guys think about doing some sort of public action? And, and folks were like, yeah, that sounds perfect. Cause you know, like even though some of us are working, not all of us are working. And I think it is uh, a bit of an insult when in the midst of this crisis, you do have landlords who are profiting. You know, this is coming from tenants, not, not necessarily me. And so, yeah, like on April 1st, tenants under the banner of the South Bronx Tenants Movement, they decided to um, take a stand against the, the governor Governor Cuomo and let him know that if he doesn't give us a, a suspension of rent for the duration of time that this crisis continues, at the very least for the duration that like we're being told to stay home and for the duration that like people can't work, if he doesn't cancel rent, then, you know, we're going to go on strike. And so tenants effectively went on strike right after that action. Because uh, they, you know, they just, the governor didn't agree to anything. The, the landlord on 380, um, he, he came forth to a reporter saying that he wasn't going to charge tenants anything. But, you know, he hasn't communicated that with anybody. Um, he just expressed that to a reporter. So, you know, it's interesting just to see where these landlords are standing with all this crisis. They still feel like they should be profiting um, despite the crisis. And so that's one thing. And then another thing, there's still ongoing organizing happening at 380 um, with this whole MCI fight and um, the lack of cooking gas. Right now, we're trying to, we're trying to support people in filling out a rent reduction order with, through DACR based on lack of services. And so like, that's going to basically mean that we have to like, door knock and we have to like, sit down with people and like, go over like, every single little issue they have in their apartment. You know, and it gets really tedious, all, all in the efforts of like submitting that to the, to the state so then they could approve um, a rent reduction order based on lack of services um, that, you know, for what it's worth, it may take months 
for them to process that. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to do it now so that the state can't say we haven't done it. Or let's say that in the coming weeks, we decide to sue the landlord. That's something we can add to to um, the lawsuit that we're, um, we also filed a rent reduction case with the landlord. And so that, that, that's some organizing that's happening even in the middle of this crisis. Some of that's happening remotely. Um, as tenants in their buildings, they're going door knocking door to door, making sure that people are filling this out through, their, through a computer. You know, this is a time when like our local council member's office is closed. Our, our local representatives, whether it's in the Senate, in the assembly, like their offices are closed. And, you know, I think it's important for community to look out for each other and to organize and to be politicized by this moment. You're listening to Working Class Heroes Radio, right here on WBAI 99.5 FM. We're talking with Manny Pardilla about housing conditions and rent strikes in the South Bronx. Let's get back to it. So what do you think tenants should be doing right now? What, is, what, is, what, what would be the advice to all those folks right now who are starting to have or think about those questions and how it might affect them in New York City? Um... I think now more than ever, tenants should consider forming tenant associations, even if it's pre-formations. And I say that for very practical reasons. I think it would help build solidarity um, networks if it means like just like checking in on one another. Again, just like speaking about like one of my tenant leaders that I was organizing with while I was at Northwest Bronx that like that one particular tenant he he's like alone he's his home all alone you know he he has neighbors he knows them but like what if tenant associations across the city what if they were able to like look out for their elderly in very unique ways that were in the same situation as that tenant leader that i'm referring to you know what if uh you know we're able to like um cook for each other during these times where you know, there is price gouge happening. What if, um, you know, we're able to like kind of assess like where our local politicians at? Like where's, uh, in, in the case of the South Bronx, where's Diana Yala? You know, where, where, where is she? You know, she's on Facebook and she's posting a few things here and there, but you know, uh, for, that, for the immediate community, you know, who probably goes to her, for questions, for resources, like she's, she's just closed. Where are they at? You know, and I think those are very powerful conversations to be had internally. Um, there's going to be a lot of landlords who are just going to start non-payment cases. You know, I think uh, it doesn't benefit tenants, especially those who don't work or who are not working now because of the, the pandemic. You know, many people have gotten laid off as well. You know, these are families who are going to get evicted, um, not just from their homes, but their buildings um, and ultimately like their communities. So do you, besides the um, 
you know, rent moratorium, eviction moratorium. Do you think there are other demands that you see the tenant movement sort of either um, starting to think about or maybe put forward besides, you know, the, the two that I've listed? Um, I think it's important to really, and, and you know, we, we spoke about this on April 1st in our press conference where we had a multitude of press there, but we were very adamant about addressing the lack of gas. And with that, just understanding what it means to stay home for many people. I mean, if we're, if we're talking about the Bronx, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about a county that has some of the highest asthma rates in the whole country. We're talking about a county that has some of the highest obesity rates in the whole country, the highest opioid problems in the whole country. It, it, it's just, is it's going to affect us disproportionately. And so like just understanding the impact that it means to stay home for our health. If, if we're also, if we're dealing with the coronavirus outside, then for many of us, we're also dealing with mold, with leaks, with, with rats, with, with pests indoors and all these things like they trigger asthma they trigger respiratory illnesses they trigger all these health issues that that impact our community and you know landlords have purposely kept conditions this way you know for one because they they're trying to evict tenants secondly because they don't really care about repairing tenants conditions or fixing their conditions they don't really care and so you know people are already saying that the Bronx is a ticking time bomb and that the coronavirus is set to hit us a lot harder. And there's, there's expected to be a lot more deaths here in the Bronx. What I like to say is that, you know, I think there is a very structural reason for that. And that's connected to landlords. And that's also connected to government and, and the lack of, you know, actual government response to, to people's 301 calls to people's issues, people's concerns. Like, does it matter during a crisis where people are dying? It seems to matter, and we don't think that's right. So should should rent matter daily, where we're talking about people who are homeless because of the question of rent? You know, I think that's the conversation to be had afterwards. Um, You know, because it's a unique moment for capitalism to stay like capitalism is trying to still stay face it's, it's still be it's still itself in essence but it's, it's also trying to put forth a a, a health pub, a public health image you know of like staying home and doing all these things but it's it's like that's a that's a fundamental contradiction um because people can't be healthy and still be capitalists that's what capital that, that's that's what we're learning right now during these moments we can't be healthy and capitalist at the same time. You know, all these things, like, they definitely have an impact on our health. And I think now more than ever where we live in a, in a society where, you know, government is trying to be responsible, is trying to let people know that they got to stay home, is trying to let people know that, you know, your health comes first. Um, you know, it's important to expose um, the hypocrisy of what it means to stay home. You know, l- let's talk about the conditions of tenants in their homes. In 380, they don't have cooking gas. What does that mean for a starving family? In 380, 
some tenants have to deal with rats in their apartments. What does that mean for a tenant with asthma? For many of the tenants at 380, they're dealing with mold. What does that mean for a tenant who's just trying to take a shower and then they just suddenly can't breathe? You know what I mean? So it's, a, it's really, really important for, uh, for us to really look at this holistically and not just look at this very, very, very siloed and just very cutthroat. You know, it's, it's not simple. Manny makes a compelling argument about why infection rates are so high in the Bronx. A study done by the Association of Neighborhood Housing and Development shows that the South Bronx has some of the largest populations of service workers and people of color in the city. And it also has some of the most rent burdened neighborhoods and the second highest rate of COVID-19 infections. The South Bronx Tenants Movement shows what can be done when tenants connect and organize across just a couple of buildings. They were able to lend momentum to the cancel rent campaign and stand together with tenants impacted by COVID-19 more directly. But as of May 5th, Governor Andrew Cuomo refuses to consider any rent cancellations. The New York City Council has considered proposals that extend the eviction moratorium and allows landlords to keep security deposits in place of missing rents. So while landlords and city council members chew on the fat of tenant security deposits, Tenants are expected to pay a growing rent debt no matter how their incomes were impacted by COVID-19. The coalition behind the cancel rent campaign is called Housing Justice for All, and they represent over 70 housing-focused organizations. According to them, at least 400 families are coordinating rent strikes with over 14,000 people pledged to do the same. Their landlords refuse to negotiate with them, and they don't see local politicians doing much for rent relief. As the months pass by, we can expect these numbers to continue to grow. On next week's show, Brenda Leon's interview with Alvaro Franco explores how Bronx tenants are reacting to the different ways COVID-19 is affecting their neighborhoods. Tenants have been on the losing end for decades, but maybe flexing their muscles thousands strong might open their eyes to the power they hold. Only then will we begin to see some real housing justice. Thank you for listening. I'm your correspondent, Julian Guerrero. That's our show for this week. If you'd like to learn more about Housing Justice for All's campaign and demands, head over to their website at housingjusticeforall.org. If you have a story of your own or want to share your thoughts about this week's episode, give us a call at 929 352 0134. Leave a name, a phone number, and we'll get back to you. Again, that number is 929-352-0134. Coronavirus and class war will continue next Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Here at WBAI 99.5 FM, New York City's main source of community radio. You can support this station by becoming a BAI buddy at WBAI.org. We'll be continuing our focus on housing issues in New York City while in a pandemic for the rest of May. If you missed our last show, head over to wchradio.org to catch up. While you're there, fill out the workers' inquiry. We want to hear from working-class New Yorkers about what your employer is or isn't doing to protect you and your coworkers. 
Again, the website is wchradio.org. Let's continue this conversation on Twitter. Follow us at WCHpod. Stay safe, stay healthy, New York, and as always, in solidarity.